What's good, everybody? Welcome back to the All Things Basketball podcast. I'm your host, Vic Lopez, as always. The NBA Finals is officially over. The regular season is officially over. I want to take this time on this episode to basically, I'm going to get into, obviously, the Nuggets stuff and some of the Heat stuff, uh, but I do want to kind of take like a look back what these amazing playoffs gave us throughout the whole run. Um, this was definitely one of the most unpredictable playoffs I've ever watched. I think most people have ever watched. It was full of surprises, full of disappointments, full of just everything, really. Um, except, you know, for a couple of things that I wish would have gone differently. And I'll get into those things in a second. But I'm going to start with, you know, kind of how we were thinking going into these playoffs, right? So in the West, everyone was concerned about KD and the Suns and even the Clippers with Kawhi and Paul George. And obviously they get Russell Westbrook, um, you know, the Lakers, they pick up serious steam after the trade deadline. And a lot of people were also in their corner. You have the Warriors who were the defending champions, right? They get that label. And that also led to some people believing that they'd get to a conference finals at the least in the East. The Celtics and the Bucks, they were mostly expected to face each other when you asked around, at least in the Eastern Conference Finals, with some people also saying that the Sixers had a shot to do it as well. And they were a game six at home and a game seven in Boston away from doing that. Uh, but I just want to take a look at what these playoffs gave us specifically. Right. That's kind of how everyone looked at this playoff run. And I don't want to leave the Nuggets out. Right. The Nuggets obviously were were a contender. They are just one of those contenders that no one really believed in, except for the Nuggets fan base and maybe some others. Right. Like, I'm not going to say they weren't a team that that was scary. Right. Because obviously, number one in the West, they have. They picked up steam, right? They're looking really great. They have some of the most continuity than any other team uh, in this whole playoff run. But obviously, in the back of your mind is always, well, can they actually get it done, right? Because we've seen them fail. We've seen, um, you know, Jokic kind of get outrun by teams sometimes on those playoff series from before. And, you know, obviously, this was a an amazing run for the Nuggets. But like I said, so I just want to kind of go through what these playoffs gave us. Right. So I'm going to start with the Eastern Conference. So Giannis and the Bucks, right? They go into this playoff run. Everyone's thinking this is a team that's going to get to the finals or at the very least get to the conference finals. Like I said earlier, Giannis gets hurt in 10 in the first 10 minutes of game one against the Miami Heat. Right. That series pretty much got away from Milwaukee at that point. Uh, by the time Giannis came back for games four and five, it ends up in a Miami Heat upset over the Bucks and a true snowball effect for the Miami Heat, right? Also, something that kind of got lost in all this, Cavs versus Knicks, right? We were supposed to see the Cavs, who were one of the best Eastern Conference teams all season long, they get upset. Uh, and the Knicks beat them horribly, right? Like, they beat them in a convincing way. Like, the Cavs didn't really put up much of a fight. They looked terrible. Uh, Donovan Mitchell had a bad series, you know, obviously, um, Evan Mobley, who's still obviously super young, he didn't have a great series. Um, I don't know. You know, they definitely didn't look like the team they did in the regular season. They get upset by the Knicks and the Knicks get to their second round, you know, their precious second round that they haven't seen in a very long time. Uh, we get a Hawks Celtics strange, right? Like a relatively shaky series 
where Boston loses a couple of games and it was like the first red flag that we got from the Celtics. It was the first of many red flags that the Celtics gave us, right? Like they lose that one game against the Hawks where DeJounte Murray didn't even play and then they gave up another game, right, down the line. Um, they ended up winning that series in six, right? But again, that was one of the first red flags that those Celtics gave us, right? We had Sixers Nets, Obviously, it was a tough sweep, right? The Nets really put up a big fight in that series, but they got swept by the Sixers. Uh, we got Sixers-Celtics in the second round, right? Celtics lose game one at home, playing against the Sixers without Embiid. That was another red flag that we saw from the Celtics. The Celtics end up winning the next two games. Sixers win the next two games, and the Celtics find themselves in a 3-2 deficit where they win game six in an ugly game that almost looked like it was over for them. And then they just destroyed the Sixers in game seven on their own home floor uh, in Boston. Uh, we got Heat versus Knicks in the second round. It was an interestingly ugly series between the two because, you know, neither team really scoring a lot, right? It, this was like a, an old school, early 2000s type of matchup. And either way, it never really felt like Miami was going to lose right and they got by the new york knicks pretty pretty convincingly right they definitely came out of that one with some scratches some bruises uh it was a hard fought uh series for the heat but again never really felt like the heat were gonna lose then we get the eastern conference finals rematch from 2022 which was between the heat and the celtics heat go up 3-0 in a shocking manner right like the celtics look nothing like they did all regular season and this was like the final red flag Right, we saw a couple of red flags against the Hawks. We saw major red flags against the Sixers, and the red flags come back as they find themselves down 3-0 against the Heat. All of a sudden, they catch some random fire. They win the next three games in a row and tie it up. They have all the momentum going into Game Seven, and they also have a Game Seven in Boston. It all felt lost for my for the Miami Heat. I went to Game Six, which was in Miami, and that was just that was the tip-in game by uh, by Derek White. Uh, that took just all the energy out of the building. Heat go into Game 7 at Boston, and they just smack the Celtics, right? Celt obviously, Jason Tatum gets hurt in the very beginning, like one of the first plays. And this just turns into a horrible game by Jalen Brown as well. And the Celtics just didn't really put up much of a fight, and they lost and got eliminated on their own home floor in Game 7. Heat punched their ticket to the finals, and it's basically the greatest underdog story in NBA history until the finals happen, right? A team with multiple undrafted players playing major minutes throughout the playoffs and overperforming pretty much, right? So to their normal standards, right? In terms of what they do in the regular season. On the Western Conference, we get the rise of a dead franchise, right? The Sacramento Kings, they get their third seed with home court advantage and they're facing the defending champion Golden State Warriors in the first round. Series goes the distance. It goes seven games. Steph Curry gives us a historical game seven performance, basically putting the Warriors on his back and winning the game. It was an awesome series. It was a very high scoring series. There was a lot of chess going on between Mike Brown and Steve Kerr. Uh, that was a very fast paced, high octane offense uh, series by both teams. One of the most fun series that I watched all playoffs long. Uh, obviously, Warriors get out of that series alive. Lakers play the shattered Memphis Grizzlies, right? They were injured. Dylan Brooks pokes the LeBron James bear, right? And the series was a wrap from that point on. Pretty much the Lakers just beating down on, a, on an injured 
Memphis Grizzlies roster, right? That was just not looking good. They were smaller at that point, and the Lakers just really beat them down, right? In the first round, also in the West, we had the Suns versus the Clippers, which was an incredible series to start when we saw Kawhi just dominate, right? But then, obviously, right on cue, Kawhi gets hurt, and we never see him again, right? It was also a semi-Russell Westbrook revival moment, right? But he also had some bad performances along the way, and the Suns kind of get out of that one, right? They kind of got a little lucky in that sense, right? Because Kawhi was looking crazy good in that series before he just had to, before he was injured, obviously, and couldn't play the rest of the series. So uh, Suns move on, right, to face the Nuggets in the second round. And the Nuggets obviously just beat down the Timberwolves, right? Like we, we knew that was going to happen. That was one of the most predictable series of the entire playoffs. And then we get this series between the Suns and the Nuggets. The one that I really did not know how this one was going to go. I did say that it would either go like, it would either be like a quick, like a five. I think I said it would go five or it would be like a tight seven game series, right? Like, like I really felt like I didn't know how this series was going to play out, right? Because you have two guys in Devin Booker and KD that can score and drop coverage, right? Against the drop coverage very easily. Um, They played some of the most efficient basketball I've ever seen, specifically Devin Booker, right? KD had some bad performances efficiency-wise. Wasn't as efficient as we normally have seen him. Uh, He was really bothered by the tough defense. Also, the Suns just didn't have the three-point shooting, right, to match the Nuggets. So, like, the Nuggets could really play zone on those Suns and not worry too much about the shooters around them because Josh Okoge... You know, you have guys like that, like Landry Shamit, who had one really great shooting night, but for the most part, not a great shooter, right? So that was kind of uh, an interesting series to watch. Chris Paul, he gets hurt right on cue, right? After some very competitive games in this series. And at that point, Denver just closes it out, right? It was just a wrap at that point. You know, DeAndre Ayton kind of like losing his spot to, to Jacques Landell right? Or whatever his name was. I can't really pronounce his name well. Um, But yeah, you know, just not a good series by DeAndre Ayton. Chris Paul was looking really bad. This was just a tough series for the Suns and the Nuggets really looked like the better team by far. Uh, We get a Warriors-Lakers series. That was a strange one because it was really going to be like how perfect can the Warriors really shoot versus the taller, bigger, more defensive-minded Lakers team, right? Warriors had a lot of bad games in that series, just too much chaos, too much shot chucking that eventually led to their demise, right? Like the Lakers, they got their conference finals matchup against Denver, but while they were playing the Warriors, I I, I felt I picked the Lakers to win it in six because I just thought that for the Warriors to come out of that series alive, they would have had to play perfect on offense because the defense wasn't really going to be there. The size was never going to be there. And that's just a major disadvantage, right? When you're only relying on shot making because you can't hold your own defensively, that could lead to your demise, especially when you're too small, right? The Lakers clearly took advantage of their size and they won with that, right? Um, So the Lakers get to the conference finals. The Lakers, a seventh seeded team, four wins away from an NBA finals appearance, Um, You know, standing in their way, obviously, the eventual champion Denver Nuggets, the more connected group, the more exotic offense, more overall talent, in my opinion, and more continuity, a team that just had their chemistry going for a long, long time. 
I predicted the Nuggets in six because I gave the Lakers their home games, right? I thought the Lakers would win their home games, like their, at least their two home games. And it ended up being a sweep, which surprised me because the Lakers, being the long athletic defensive-minded team, you know, with LeBron and Anthony Davis looking really good together, I couldn't imagine a sweep, right? But this was a hard sweep. Like this wasn't some Nuggets just dominated four straight games. Like this was a couple of those games. The Lakers were up and the Nuggets just came back and just took games away, right? So this was a hard earned sweep by the Nuggets over the Lakers. Uh, Every game was really close, you know, and the Nuggets punched their ticket to the finals for the first time in franchise history, right? So this becomes the NBA finals that nobody expected, right? You get Nuggets versus Heat, right? It's not Celtics Nuggets. It's not Bucks Nuggets. It's not Warriors Celtics. It's not Lakers Celtics. You know what I mean, right? Like it's, it's Heat versus the Nuggets, right? League's most exotic offense led by two-time MVP Nikola Jokic, his running mate Jamal Murray, surrounded by an incredible, you know, mixed supporting cast of both young and veteran talented contributors versus the Miami Heat, right? The blue-collar, super-duper underdog, eighth-seeded Miami Heat. Jimmy Butler and Bam with their mostly undrafted supporting cast and Eric Spolstra at the helm with Pat Riley pursuing another championship. Um, You know, in any universe, I would have picked a sweep, right, for the Nuggets. Like, I just... I just didn't see how a team like the Heat would beat a team like Denver, right? But because of how insane the Heat were shooting from three all playoffs long and just how well they were playing, how hard they were making opposing teams work, I predicted a seven-game series. I kind of caved, right? I, I I was just so just afraid of how well the Heat were playing. So I predicted a seven-game series. Obviously, I was wrong. This series was damn near a sweep. It was over in five. The underdog story was cut in this final series. And this is where we saw the undrafted players and even Jimmy Butler, right? Like kind of finally come back to earth a little bit, but also some no-show performances by Max Struess specifically. And I remember messaging a friend of mine when Eric Spolstra benched Caleb Martin in game two, right? Because I remember Caleb Martin was starting game one and then he decided to start Kevin Love right, in game two, and on and on, right, so Caleb Martin, I, w- I remember saying, this is gonna probably hurt his confidence, right, like, this is either gonna hurt his confidence, or he's gonna remain unbothered and continue to perform, ever since he got benched in that game one, he was never really the same, right, and he wasn't good in game one, right, he, he was, he was really bad, right, like, he had a bad game, um, so, but again, you know, sometimes, once you bench a player right away, you risk, the chance of knocking their confidence. And I think that's what happened to Caleb Martin. Uh, I want to say this, the MVP for the Heat was definitely Bam Adebayo, right? He gave them everything he had. And just right on cue, you know, the Heat lose the finals. And I'm already seeing, you know, trade Bam, trade Hero, trade this, trade that. And I'm saying if anyone's going to be traded, it's not, it should not be Bam. Right. Like unless obviously you're getting some ridiculous package back, like that's fine. You know, I'm not going to hold on. Bam is not an untouchable player. Right. But if we're going to keep it 100, like Bam was the best player for the Miami Heat in this finals. He was doing everything he could. He's covering all of his teammates defensive mistakes. Right. He's taking a lot of the shots on offense and 
honestly making a lot of shots like this. Some of his numbers, he was like 22 and 12 and four assists. And, you know, he really balled out in the finals and he really played his game. He was dominant. It just wasn't enough. You know, you get zero points from Max Struess in like a couple of games. You, you just, you know, you get some bad games from Kyle Lowry. Jimmy Butler doesn't look like himself. You know, Caleb Martin kind of loses his his self, I guess. Or maybe he just, you know, back to his normal production. So, like, the, the heat kind of, like, cooled off right when it mattered most, right? Like, they were picking up steam all playoffs long, looking like a team that nobody thought we were going to see, right? Like, this team, and it was kind of frustrating for people that actually watch basketball games because especially since I live here in South Florida like most people here are just like yeah you know we're the better team every single series you know it's all we're the better team we're gonna kill them and it's like well you know I picked except for that Knicks series I picked the Bucks to beat the Heat I picked the Celtics to beat the Heat I picked the Nuggets to beat the Heat and honestly if Giannis doesn't get hurt at all in that first game or that first round i'm not saying the heat would have lost to them because clearly when Giannis came back the heat were just as good right but again the heat were also kind of like they had the momentum they won a lot of games already in that series they were they caught fire right they were really hot they were shooting well from three so i don't know i feel like when Giannis came back from hurting his back he he put some monster numbers up but again like i don't know the heat were already they were already in rhythm, right? Like they were already super confident and that's tough, right? When you're facing a confident team that's also knocking down all their shots, hard to beat them, you know? So I'm not sure they have that confidence if Giannis doesn't go down after 10 minutes of the first game, right? Because I don't know if, if the Bucks win that game, you know, you, you're, you're kind of, you're keeping that pressure, on Miami throughout that series, right? But instead, Miami takes game one. Obviously, the Bucks take that second game. I don't want to spend too much time talking about that Bucks series because it was so long ago and it's so irrelevant right now. But I'm just saying, you know, like you you just get this like irrational confidence from the fans, and it just grows and grows and grows every series, right? And I get it, but I my argument in every series was, well, when are these guys gonna cool down? Right, like when are these undrafted players gonna go back to playing the way they were in the regular season? When are we gonna stop seeing 50% from three, 48% from three, 45% from three? These guys are shooting historical numbers from three. Like this is not, you don't see these percentages, right? Like teams don't shoot 50% from three, right? I think the best three-point shooting team this season was like 39% or 38% or something like that, right? It was, I don't even think it hit 40, you know, and that's an average. The Heat were scoring like 50, they were shooting 50% from three, 48, 45. They were shooting the lights out. So if you're shooting like that and you're shooting a lot of threes, of course you're going to win games, you know? Just the math alone is going to win you that game. So, my thought process was I'm not hating on the Heat when I'm picking against the Heat. I'm just saying this is outrageous shooting. Like this this should not be happening over and over and over again, right? And then you're getting that type of three-point percentage around Jimmy Butler and the Jimmy Butler in turn is also getting every single foul call by the referees, right? Like he gets a very friendly whistle. Like this guy 
And I'm not saying he shouldn't because honestly, yes, he does play hard and he does play off of contact, right? I think he gets to the line like 10 times a game, you know, prior to the finals, something like that. And it's like a guy like that, yes, and he can finish through the contact and he doesn't need the whistle to only be able to score at the free throw line. Like this guy's finishing on contact on those fouls, but it's just the fact that they're making all their threes. And Jimmy's also getting every call, right? So it's like, it's just a snowball effect, right? Because Jimmy already is going to get a friendly whistle. He likes contact. He's just taking advantage of the way the NBA is officiated, right? But he does it well, right? It's not, it's not like James Harden foul hunting either, right? Where it was like when he played for the Rockets, where he's literally just getting downhill and swinging his hand around. Jimmy doesn't do that, right? Like Jimmy initiates contact, he gets fouled and he finishes, right? But but I will say, you know, he does get a ton of foul calls. Couple that with the crazy three-point shooting around him. You couple that with Bam grabbing anything that maybe they miss because he is a good rebounder, right? He's very athletic and he can finish things around the rim. So you kind of put, it's like the Heat were playing pretty much perfect basketball more often than the teams they were playing against, right? They just, they just caught, they were on a heater. They played amazing. They were nothing like they were in the regular season. And I'll tell you something, in the finals, that was who they were in the regular season, okay? Like, the shooting was down, right? Obviously, the shooting isn't that bad like it is. In the, like, the regular season, obviously, they shot better than they did in these finals. But again, it's like, it's kind of like, hey, like, this is what undrafted players and a mid-tier star, I would say, like, like borderline superstar player like Jimmy Butler is, this is what should have happened, right? Like, like I don't think that I'm looking at this series and thinking, wow, how did the Heat lose? Like, I'm looking at the series like, wow, finally, like something that makes sense actually happens, right? Like the Celtics should not have been down 3-0 to the Heat. But again, the Celtics, they go away from ball movement. They're just shooting a bunch of threes and they're missing all their threes, right? On the other hand, Heat are playing hard, they're causing turnovers, and they're making all their threes. So it's like, you know, it's like the Heat caught teams on some bad nights, and they also forced some bad nights, right? Like, the Heat were going to drag you into the mud. Like, that's how they win their games. They drag you into the mud, and, you know, this whole thing turned into, like, a Miami Heat kind of, like, just, I don't know, talk pot, but I want to talk about the Nuggets, right? Because this is a team that won the championship. They're definitely, you know, obviously for now, they're they're the best team in the league. They have the best player in the league right now. Um, I don't know where this puts Jokic on that totem pole. I talked about that on the last episode. He wins a championship. He's got two regular season MVPs. He's got his finals MVP. He has the triple-double records that he's stacking up game by game. Um, he's breaking records in the finals. Jokic is an unstoppable force he's like 28 years old he's got plenty of time left in his basketball career I don't know how long he's gonna play he strikes me as someone that might retire like when he's like 34 right 33 for some reason I just don't I don't believe that he's gonna have like one of these crazy like like he's 39 38 and he's still running up and down the court I don't I don't see that um but you know you have Jamal Murray you have a deep team you still have Michael Malone this team looks like they can definitely make a run for a second chip. Uh, Jokic is still going to be Jokic, right? He's not some freak athlete that's going to out jump you, outrun you. So his game is going to stay the same for a long, long time. 
Um, the only person I probably worry about is Jamal Murray, right? Like, how long will his body hold out, right? Because I know that he obviously had torn his ACL, and this was his coming back season, right? This was like his comeback season. Um, and it was awesome to watch him win a title, especially after that. But like, you know, to kind of watch him, right? Like, doesn't really do a lot of spin moves. Like when he, if you, if you go back and watch his entire playoff run, the regular season, all that stuff, he obviously he's more of like a post-up guard. Like he loves getting in that post, like that pinch post and kind of just those turnaround jumpers and kind of stop and pop in the mid range. He really likes to score like that. Um, and a lot of times when I would see him turn the ball over in multiple series it was him like he does this thing where he's gonna he's he might do a spin move but then he stops in his tracks with his back to the basket and then he turns back around so it's like he doesn't I I feel like I don't know I tore my ACL and I stopped completely with the spin moves and I didn't even tear my knee doing a spin move or anything crazy like that but it's just that thought of spinning really fast and kind of like pushing off of your your knee or your leg while you're turning and you're stopping and you're moving it's just like that thought kind of stopped me from wanting to do spin moves period and I kind of see that with Jamal Murray like when he's like I said when he's about to like kind of he kind of like it's like a half spin right like he doesn't spin all the way he he quickly he turns and then he stops right away and then he comes back out to like kind of fade away or do like a turnaround jumper so i don't know you know i don't know how long he's got on those legs i don't know you know he he did he looked kind of beat up in that final series i don't know like he wasn't moving too well you know he had great games i'm not i'm not saying he he didn't have awesome games because he did i don't know he looked He looked like beat, you know, he definitely looked beat and I get it. You know, it's a deep run. It's the finals. Everyone's tired. Everyone's a little beat up. But again, you know, Jamal Murray, he's not that old, right? Like he's not an old player and he already suffered that torn ACL. So I think that's what what's going to determine how their future runs go, right? Like if he's going to be if he's going to stay healthy, if he's going to, you know, look as good as he is because he needs the athleticism more than Jokic does, right? Like, he's a guard, you know? He needs to be quick sometimes, right? Like, not saying you need to be quick to be successful because you see Luka, but Luka's got the size, you know? So some of these players have a lot of advantages because of height and size, you know? But when you're an undersized player or, like, when you're a guard, you do need to use a little more... You have to tap in a little more to your athleticism to kind of get things done, you know, so that's my concern, really. Jamal Murray's a great guard. He's super underrated. He wasn't even an all-star. Um, so that's another thing that's impressive about this run. Kind of reminds me of that Dallas Mavericks team from 2011, the one that beat the Heat in the finals, where it's just Dirk Nowitzki and he doesn't have an all-star next to him, a current all-star next to him, right? Like, this is Jokic, right? International player, uh, surrounded by, you know, just supporting cast right like guys that have not made like they they just weren't all-stars that year that's impressive to me I think that it says a lot about the way that uh maybe in the future we're going to see teams win championships I think that this is going to change the way teams try to look for players maybe in the draft or maybe via trade you know this this puts an end to the whole narrative of 
you can't win with a big man, right? As your as your best player, like Jokic just put that to sleep with this championship, right? Like, and I heard that everywhere. You know, you can't win with a big. You can't win with a big center. Can't be your best player. Look at Embiid. You know, uh, look at uh, I don't know. You know, I can't even give you any other names, but like. For the most part, that's always been the narrative ever since the NBA kind of swung towards stretch fives and, and everyone shoot threes and, you know, we're, we're pulling away the Roy Hibberts and we're pulling away, you know, just all these other bigs that can't shoot. And here comes Jokic, who, yes, he can shoot, he can pass, he can rebound, he can just score in the post, right? He can just do everything. And that's why... As a big, it works, right? Like, I don't know if it's going to work with Embiid as your best player. And the only reason I say that is because Embiid plays for Embiid offensively, right? Like, he's not a playmaker. You know, he's going to go out and get buckets. He's going to block shots. He's going to make the other bigs look great, like look terrible, right? Because he's going to blow by them. He's going to dunk on them. He's going to knock some shots down around them. But he doesn't playmake for his team and I think that's the difference between these two centers that are the two best centers in the NBA right now right like that's the difference to me and you know Embiid got his MVP but Jokic got the one that mattered right he got the finals MVP um I'm gonna get into on another episode I'm gonna talk about kind of what's going on you know Damian Lillard looks like uh, it looks like the Damian Lillard sweepstakes we're hearing about the Bradley Beal sweepstakes. Uh, we're hearing about Zion Williamson's probably available. We don't know what's going on with LeBron, with Anthony Davis. We don't know what's going on with the Miami Heat, like what's going to happen there. The Celtics have some situations to figure out with Jalen Brown. I'm going to talk about all those things on the next episode. That's going to do it for this one. Congrats to the Denver Nuggets. They just completely put their franchise back on the map, right? First championship for their fans, for the city. It was awesome watching Jokic not care about, you know, any of the attention. This is the All Things Basketball Podcast. I'm your host, Vic Lopez, as always, and I'll catch you guys on the next one.